Hello, and welcome to the Anti-Fragile Tarot Podcast. This is your resident card slinger, Susanna, here with the 10th episode of the Anti-Fragile Tarot Podcast. It took me a little while to get this one out because I wanted to make sure we had a really cool topic for our 10th episode, since in the religion or mindset of Discordianism, everything can relate to the number five. It's called the law of fives. So everything is directly or indirectly related to that number. And 10 is pretty directly related to it. Of course, 12 is also related to it if you take away two. And those kind of silly mental gymnastics and lighthearted approach are exactly what I want to talk about on this episode. Today, I'd like to focus on having some fun with tarot and fun with magic in general. Uh, as a disclaimer, there are absolutely times to take your practice extremely seriously, uh, especially if you are religious and especially if you're dealing with spirits or gods or goddesses or other entities where your practice requires a lot of seriousness and ceremony. I'm definitely not knocking that approach. It's not my approach. But if that's your approach, that is fine. That is great. Please keep on trucking. However, I think a lot of the time people come to the occult and come to tarot, come to magic with this super serious mindset. You know, people come to seek tarot card readings a lot of the time because they feel like they're at a difficult point in their lives. You know, maybe they want some insight on their marriage Maybe they have children on the mind or what their next career step should be. And all of that is, you know, these are really big, serious topics. Uh, as always, you know, any good tarot card reader will recommend that someone not base their entire decision-making process on what the cards say. Um, people may also turn to magic for the big things. You know, they may try to manifest enough money to quit their jobs or cover, you know, a major expense. They may turn to magic to attract a mate. Um, these are all, these are all big weighty subjects. And I'm definitely not saying to be disrespectful necessarily, although, Sometimes I, I struggle with the idea of respect as it comes to magic because my practice is so secular, because my practice is so not ceremonial and not specific in that way. But I think that when you're only taking these things seriously and not having any fun with them, a, not having fun is just not fun. You know, if if you get scared of your tarot cards because you're only reading with them in these big weighty moments, you're less inclined to really spend time learning them. And you may get stuck seeing certain cards a certain way. You know, I think this is part of why people are so scared of the death card. Because, you know, if, if they've only gotten one tarot card reading... And someone died right after that, you know, that's that's going to leave a mark. Or if you're only doing magic 
you know, you're only casting your spells or lighting your candles or whatever, when something major is happening, you may not be as likely to practice. And there's a reason it's called practicing magic, you know, sort of like practicing medicine. Um, it involves constant learning, constantly reevaluating your position and your knowledge. And it involves actually doing the thing. We talk a lot of smack in the occult community about armchair magicians because it's a thing. You know, you can, you can know the meanings of all 78 cards of the tarot down pat if you're not using them, if you're not constantly seeking out more information on them and seeing how they interact with each other, you're not really getting their full potential. And I think that one of the best ways to really get comfortable with tarot and occult things in general is to maybe take a step back and play with them more. Now, that doesn't mean that you stop taking them seriously or that you're just making it up as you go. One of the most respected texts in modern studies of Kabbalah is uh, Duquette's Chicken Kabbalah, which is a very funny approach to Kabbalah as told via a fictional rabbi. That doesn't make it any less useful of a text just because it's funny. It's still an extremely useful resource. In fact, that humor is part of what helps people relate to it and part of what makes these things stick in our mind. That's why a lot of mnemonics work because they're, they catch you off guard and they're unique. Uh, recently, a friend of mine is learning tarot and she wanted to figure out, you know, what a good daily practice would be. And I said, you know, yeah, draw, draw a couple cards a day. I think, I personally think doing two to three cards is better than just drawing one because it can be kind of intimidating to try to condense all of the meanings of one card into a general question to try to figure out what direction to go in. Whereas if you have the context of at least one other card, you have a little bit more to go on. You know, when you're doing a reading and you get the magician paired with the two of wands, you know, you may be taking the action aspect of the magician instead of the knowledge aspect of the magician and using that to plan. So that I think is more useful than just taking one card. I also suggested to her that she use the tarot for silly things. You know, where to go today? What should I eat today? You know, you draw the five of pentacles, which usually shows some people outside of a church looking in, you know, maybe you should be careful that you don't wind up disappointed with what you eat today. You know, that can be a fun thing. Or, you know, you draw the two of pentacles for where should I go on my walk today that shows someone balancing two pentacles with a background of water. So maybe go for a walk near some water if you have a waterfront area. Um, using the tarot to answer these silly questions might seem disrespectful to you, especially if you're somebody who you know, views these things as very lofty. I don't see it that way at all. 
I really see it as bringing your practice into the everyday. Um, you know, in the chaos magic group that I'm in, which is a big one on Facebook, one of our regular exercises is manifesting a half peeled orange. So one of the moderators will say the orange game is back and you have 24 hours or so to manifest a half peeled orange. Now, Sure, you can peel it yourself and boom, it's manifested. And that's a valuable lesson to learn as well because I think a lot of the time people also turn to magic when they just don't feel like doing the work. But you also might want to practice, if you're trying to practice more of your metaphysical or depending on on how you view it, I view this psychologically as kind of training yourself to notice things you wouldn't otherwise notice. Whereas if you're going at it from a more actually magic perspective, you may be seeing it as, you know, physically manifesting this half-peeled orange. Regardless, you know, going about your daily life, see where you're walking down the street and you pass someone on a bench and they are halfway through peeling an orange. Boom, your orange has been manifested. Or you walk into the break room and your coworker is eating one. Of course, empty peels don't count. And wholly peeled oranges don't count. And unpeeled oranges don't count. So it's that's an interesting thing to kind of take a step back, get back to basics, have some fun with your practice. Um, you know, when you're doing a ritual, some entities may like some laughter but if you're doing a ritual especially if you're just calling on elements or the general concept of spirit instead of a specific manifestation or thought form have some fun Um, especially if you're following what I mentioned earlier discordianism Uh, I stumbled upon discordianism in a really really fun and silly way back in 2006, I was using AOL AOL Instant Messenger, I know, blast from the past, and I was also regularly on LiveJournal, I know, another blast from the past, and I'm on AIM one day, just, you know, hanging out, maybe messaging some friends, and I get a message from, I don't remember the name of it, but it was like the Hatted Salmon or something, and you know, I think the the opening message was, uh, what's up, old bean, or something like that. And I started this conversation, and some of the answers made some sense, but some of the answers didn't. And I used some Google Foo, and I realized that it was part of a project called Project Upstream, which is related to the Principia Discordia and the religion or joke religion, depending on your viewpoint of Discordianism. Um, This is the brainchild of a couple of 1960s, 1970s counterculture icons, including Robert Anton Wilson. And Discordianism has a really bad rap on the internet right now because a lot of people who are attracted to discordianism they take the random aspect of magic 
and use that as an excuse to be jerks, to just throw random babble out and say that that randomness is a manifestation of discordia or Eris. I have a tattoo for the five-fingered hand of Eris, actually. And the symbol looks like two arrows meeting each other, which kind of form two crescent moons on either side. Or if you turn it on its side, it looks like an apple that you've bitten into, so it's just the core of the apple. Uh, And the apple is a sacred symbol of this goddess. Now, yes, in ancient Greek mythology... Uh, and Greek and Roman mythology, Discordia slash Eris is the goddess of discord, of war, of chaos. And Discordia in the ancient sense, and Eris in the ancient sense, she's not a fun character. But modern Discordianism is not quite that. This is this is a, a slightly separate entity. And it's really up to you to decide how... Literally, you take that. The entire Principia Discordia text, which is available online for free, if you just type in Principia Discordia, you can read the entire thing. Um, The Principia Discordia is a... It's it's really hard to explain. Like, it's... It invites you to question and wonder and have some fun with your magic and your life in general. Really look around and see things differently than you might normally. Uh, That's also part of the concept of glamour bombing or leaving little messages or signs around to make people take a minute to think about reality and consensual reality and the constructs that we've created and decided are what we subscribe to and how things are. So having fun in that way, um, you know, in Discordianism, there are heuristic delusions, which is thinking that everything is chaotic and random and there is no order and aneuristic illusions or delusions, which is thinking that everything is ordered and chaos is wholly undesirable and should be eradicated. Neither of these things are true. You cannot have true chaos without order, and you cannot have true order without chaos. So it's good to take a step back and try to have some fun with your magic in that way. And that kind of brings us back around to this idea where you know, you should be doing little things to bring magic into your everyday life. So, you know, if you're invoking Eris, uh, one of the things is that Eresians do not partake of hot dog buns because a hot dog was the solace of our goddess in her time of strife. But in the one of the initiation ceremonies, uh, we are instructed to eat hot dogs with buns as a snub to that. So, you know, I I didn't eat the hot dog because I am a lifelong vegetarian and now a vegan. But in fact, one of the things is, you know, eat an actual hot dog to, you know, kind of thumb in the face of vegetarianism. And I don't take that offensively because 
it's useful to question these paradigms. It's useful to inject a little more randomness and chaos into our lives. So my, uh, my roommate often calls my kitten an avatar of chaos. And she kind of is, you know, but it's chaos for good. It's chaos with a purpose because she's young and she's curious. So when you're having fun with your magic, don't necessarily do it just to get a rise. You know, if, if you're glamour bombing, glamour bombing with something that says believe in magic or fairies this way or one of the, the catchphrases of Discordianism is Fenord, which is something that comes up in the Illuminatus trilogy, which I still haven't read because I am a terrible Discordian. Um, but yeah, I think it's really important to consider taking your magic and yourself a little bit less seriously, you know, having some fun with it. So I encourage you to go and do a tarot card reading for yourself. And maybe when you're looking at the cards, don't just think of classical interpretations of them. Start associating them with pop culture things. You know, does the magician remind you of a character from your favorite book series? Are there song lyrics that you are reminded of when you see certain cards? There's nothing wrong with injecting a little bit more of the mundane into your practice. Because once you're willing to do that, once you're willing to stop seeing everything in your occult practice as super contained and super mysterious, once you allow some of the mundane to seep into your practice, you can allow some of your practice to really start touching your mundane world, kind of blurring that line. Um, one of the, one of the popular memes of occult practice, uh, this is, this might even be familiar to you from any, you know, witchcraft literature you've, or, or media that you've consumed over time is the idea that in, around Halloween, around Samhain, uh, if we're going by the name of the Sabbaths, um, the veil between the worlds are thin and, you know, that's when it's a good time to summon the dead or summon spirits because it's a better time than most because there's, there's less of a divide between what we know, what we see regularly and what we don't normally. But there's also the concept of spaces where you can do magic. And, you know, again, in a, in a really ceremonial, really serious practice, you know, this requires a lot of different things. It might require a specific date, a specific time. It might require specific clothes or lack of clothes if, you know, being skyclad or nude is part of your practice. It might involve specific incenses or tools. There's also the idea of liminal spaces. Spaces where reality kind of bends and distorts. Um, Target stores, believe it or not, are often described as liminal space. 
Um, crossroads are a big liminal space and magical uh, component. A lot of a lot of Santeria and Bruharia relies on the use of crossroads. Um, you know, these these spaces and being able to put yourself into a magical space, whether or not that was the initial intent of that space, this is a really useful skill because you certainly want to do magic in the right time, in the right place, but sometimes you're going to have a need or a want to do things even if it's not the right time. You know, you might need to do a spell to let things go even when it's a new moon and the moon is growing and waxing and often that's viewed as a time to manifest things but if you need to let things go you need to learn how to let yourself be in the space where you can do that and I think that's another benefit of learning to take your magic less seriously less ceremoniously less rigidly um, again, this this is just my paradigm. There there are many different paradigms under which you can operate, and you your mileage may vary. You might you may find that you have much better results with a more structured approach, and that's totally fine. You do you. Uh, I I'm here to help you consider whether a different approach might be right for you. Not to say that this approach is right full stop. You know, a lot of magic, as I've said before, is kind of the scientific method. Figuring out what works, figuring out what doesn't. So let yourself have some fun. If you're doing a tarot card reading and you go, damn, I just got caught out by a deck of cards, laugh at yourself. Laugh at the cards. Have some fun with it. There's, There's really nothing wrong with that. You know, if, if you're doing a ritual and your cat decides to start playing with some of the crystals that you have in your circle, you know, as long as your cat isn't disturbing the boundaries of your circle, or you just make the circle bigger to include the cat, you know, maybe that means that your cat's a good familiar, or maybe it just means that your cat is a little shit like mine, but they're wonderful. So, you know, have some fun and don't forget to examine whether you're taking yourself too seriously because that's no fun. You know, magic isn't always about fun, especially if you are doing any kind of deity work. It's often not about what's fun for you or what you want, but what about that deity wants and if you don't follow what they want, you know, things might go poorly for you. So I definitely don't recommend that you, um, you know, go against your own beliefs or religion in order to do this. But I do think that it's worth examining. So this one's a little bit short. And I'm sorry, but I wanted to get this out there. Um, Oh, and as an update, 
the owner of JC Oddities, Brittany Graziosi, won the entire Start Something competition and received a grant. So fingers crossed, as of this recording, August 9th, 2017, we should have a physical space soon and I will be able to let you know where to come to me for readings. In the meantime, you can always email me at antifragiletarot at gmail.com or find me on Etsy at antifragiletarot and book a reading. Or you can just leave a comment or shoot me an email and we'll work something out. Also, let me know if there's anything you'd like to hear on next week's podcast. You know, I'm always open to suggestions and starting to uh, maybe run out of ideas a little bit. So I would love to know what you want to hear about, because otherwise I'm just going to start talking about what I care about. And I don't know that you really want to have a 30-minute lecture on different kinds of cardstock and card sizes in tarot. Or maybe you do. Who knows? All right. Well, I hope you have a witchy and or wonderful week, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.